The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Christ. Jesus and his disciples passed through Galilee. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. But what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. The gospel lesson that we just heard follows a healing account that is not a part of the lectionary. And it's an important one because it comes really at the center of the gospel of Mark, along with this text that we just heard read. And the two of them really should be married together because they seem to point to pretty much the same thing. The account of this healing occurs in Bethsaida. And Bethsaida is a town that's in uh, the Gentile area around the Sea of Galilee to the east. And so people bring a man to Jesus and they ask Jesus to touch him to heal his blindness. Jesus puts some spittle on his eyes and then asks the man... Can you see? And the man says, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Well, now that's not very satisfactory. (laughs) So Jesus touches the man again and looks at him intently and takes his hands away and asks, can you see? And the man says, I see plainly. I often refer to a pastor who writes a commentary every week on the lectionary text. And uh, his name is Brian Stoffergan. And Brian says that this particular miracle is so important because it really describes three kinds of people that we see throughout Mark. There are those who are blind. They see nothing. There are those who have been touched once by Jesus. And they can see some of what is around them in this kingdom of God. And then there are those who have been touched twice by Jesus. And they see plainly. And Brian says that 
Most of the Gospel of Mark is made up of people of the first two types, the blind and those who've been touched once. And that includes the disciples. I think it's important for us to have that as a backdrop for our uh, examination of this particular gospel lesson, because it's important to understanding the lesson. And it's also important in terms of understanding our own walk of faith. Now turning to the gospel that Matt just read. This uh, particular account takes place as they're apparently walking from Bethsaida up to Caesarea Philippi, which is further north and is uh, in what we would call now the Golan Heights of uh, Lebanon. And it was there in the ancient world where there was a temple and, and other shrines to the Greek and Roman god of nature, Pan. And I think it's important for us to see that as uh, Jesus and his disciples, and apparently a crowd as well, uh, walked up to that area and the villages that surrounded Caesarea Philippi, that Jesus asked them, who the people say that he is when he is in the world. He is not in a synagogue. He's not in a religious meeting. They haven't been that we can see sitting or, or praying, but rather they're in the world and they're in a world that is as different from the world of, of a Jew of Jesus time as it could be. They were deep in the Roman world, in a pagan world. And Jesus says to his disciples, who do the people say that I am? And they reply that some say you're John the Baptist. Remember that Herod had this uh, great fear that John the Baptist would come back and haunt him after his having uh, commanded that John the Baptist's head be taken off. And others perhaps thought that the way that Jesus ministered was like John the Baptist. Others said Elijah and others said yet other prophets. So apparently Jesus had made such an impression upon people that they saw him not just as another rabbi or an itinerant preacher, but rather as someone who was very, very significant and was proclaiming things that were new and that were challenging. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And we can imagine Peter blurting out, you are the Messiah. And the only thing we have that follows that is that Jesus says, don't tell anybody. And then he goes on to begin to teach them about what is going to happen to him. And the way that it's stated in the gospel, it sounds like this is a new teaching. He had been teaching them other things, obviously. But now he's talking about the suffering that he will go through. The fact that he will be uh, denounced by those in authority in the temple. The reality of him having to die. And then he says, after three days, I will rise again. And it's at that point that Peter pulls him aside and rebukes him. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And Jesus rebukes Peter. Now, that's a complicated section in this in this passage, I think, because, first of all, I think it gives us a hint of the kind of relationship that Peter and Jesus had. You know, you don't rebuke somebody that's your boss ordinarily. And I don't think that many uh, disciples of, of important rabbis would rebuke their rabbi. But Peter seemed to feel that he was in a place in his relationship with Jesus where he could have that kind of authority over him and rebuke him. 
Jesus then responds to him, perhaps recalling his temptation in the wilderness and the temptation to turn from the way that he saw that God was calling him and says, get behind me, Satan. And Jesus says it loud enough so that the others can hear it as well. So I think at this particular point in Mark's gospel, it's very clear that Jesus' role is that of the Messiah and as the leader of this group, very clearly. And Peter had been put in his place. And then Jesus turns and includes the crowd in what he's saying. And he says, if you are going to follow me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross. Now, that's a very hard piece of scripture, I think, for any of us to hear. And it was probably hard for them to hear at that time as well. I think as we as we look over that gospel and those movements that occur throughout that gospel, there are a couple of things that I think are very important for us to consider for our own spiritual life. There are two key questions. Who do you say that I am? Jesus is saying to us this morning, to us as individuals, and I think to us as a church. And the other question that we have to answer, I believe, is are we willing to deny self and take up our cross and follow Jesus? Who do you say that I am? There was a time when uh, Lou and I, as a family, we sojourned in another denomination for a while. And it was uh, what I would call a, a mega church. Uh, some might call it happy church because it was always happy at that church. <laughs> and I've, as I've thought about that over the years, I've, if you think about that in terms of what is, who is the Jesus that's being put forth in that kind of a church? It's a Jesus that makes everything work out. Everything is just fine. And we spend our life praising God, singing hymns of praise and feeling good. There are others, I'm sure some of you have experienced churches, where the Jesus that you find there seems to be a Jesus that only cares about your sin. And as one author had put it, the, the work that we have to do in that kind of a situation, uh, confronted by that kind of Jesus, is to change the mind of God. We've got to change God's mind somehow. That Jesus is not one that I can relate to very easily. But there are others as well. Some churches you encounter Jesus as a great social worker. He's doing all kinds of works of justice and peace. There are other churches where you will encounter another kind of Jesus that's mainly only found in the sacraments. And it seems to be the only Jesus that we see. But the real question, I think, for all of us is, who is the Jesus that you see? And I think throughout our journey of faith, that Jesus changes and we encounter a different Jesus periodically in our in our faith journey. And sometimes Jesus challenges us and calls us to another kind of life. So the first question that only you can answer for yourself is the answer to the question Jesus poses to you. Who do you say that I am? The second question is, I think, very hard for those of us who are trying to live a faithful uh, journey of faith. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. Now, some might say uh, that means then that uh, we don't have a TV or we deny ourselves some of the luxuries that we have. Or maybe we give uh, 10 percent or more to the church. And that's not a bad idea, by the way. <laughs> 
Or some would say, well, really, the only way you can live uh, that way faithfully is to become a, a monk or a nun. I don't think Jesus was talking about any of that. I believe that Jesus was challenging his disciples and those who were gathered as a crowd around him to deny self. A bigger thing than all these little things that we look at and we think about giving up. Almost like, what would you give up for Lent? This is much deeper than that. And if you think about the fact that uh, there were some who were with him for a long time who were just followers. And then there were those who were called to be disciples. A very particular role. When I was uh, new in the Air Force, my very first assignment, there was uh, a young lieutenant. uh, We came in at the same time. He was an evangelical. From the Air Force Academy. There were evangelicals at the Air Force Academy even in 1970. (laughs) And we would have a number of uh, discussions about our faith and about the church and about how we live our faith. And I remember once he said to me, there are those who are always just going to be followers. But there are only a few that are going to be disciples. And I felt in his saying that, that I was being told, yeah, you're a follower. (laughs) You're not really a disciple. (laughs) And you may have been right. But I the longer I thought about what he said to me this many years ago, I think there's a kernel of truth in it. I believe there are many of us who are just following the crowd and have not gone to that next step of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It's always hard, I think, when we think about, uh, in our culture at least, about denying self, because there's nothing, perhaps, that we value more than our freedom and our individuality. Those are, we almost worship those two things. And I, I believe that the Christian church, throughout the century, centuries, has called us to deny self and to be concerned not just about us and as an only child this is an easy thing to say but to be concerned about others first our culture is preoccupied with self we talk about self-trust self-sufficiency self-satisfaction self-help self-reliance we don't want to be reliant upon anybody if we can avoid it Anybody who's involved in the Caring Connection knows that one of the things that's sometimes a little bit hard is for people to be able to accept the help of others. And I've experienced that myself, uh, having turned down offers when I've been sick. It's hard for us to acknowledge that we really are dependent upon other people. I believe that God is calling us to be totally reliant, totally reliant upon God. Deny yourself and follow me. Faithful living is, I believe, is the way that we do that. Any of us, if we stop and think for a moment, know that the things that have happened to us through our lives are not things that we have caused and made happen. Uh, We have been sold a bill of goods in our culture, I think, which says you can be and you can do anything you choose. You just make it happen. Now, I'll grant that there are things that we can make happen. But you and I both know there are good people who have had some very bad things happen to them that had nothing to do with them as an individual and and what they tried to do with their life. 
And we also know that there are those who have benefited greatly and are hoodlums. And Bernie Madoff comes to mind immediately. He lived in the lap of luxury for years and years and years. And he was a crook. So a great deal of what happens to us in this life is just luck and sometimes bad luck. But what we can choose is how we live in the circumstances of this life. And I believe in I have seen it over and over and over again in this parish as people have been confronted with circumstances that in the instant that, the, that if they happened and they occurred to them, they looked insurmountable. And yet these people have lived faithfully through all of it. I believe that is where we learn to live the Christian life is by learning to live faithfully in the circumstances of our lives. Some of them will be very good and it will be just as hard to live faithfully in those good times as it is to live faithfully when it's difficult. I believe that Jesus is calling each one of us today to live faithfully, not just for ourselves, but for others as well. And I believe he's offering that second touch so that we can see clearly what it is that God is calling us to in this life. And I believe that that is also true for us as a parish. We, too, as a parish, must answer the question, how do we live selflessly? How do we live as people who want to follow Christ and to be enlivened by the spirit of God? And I believe God will give us that second touch. Amen. Amen.